You may be familiar with the, uh, the Alpha course. If not, it's, uh, September is coming around, and it's a great opportunity for you to, to get in that course. Uh, it's open to everybody. It's a great course in the Christian faith. But uh, Nikki Gumbel, the one who constructed much of the course, ends up telling a story during the course about a time when he and his wife, Pippa, had hired a French au pair, uh, a French nanny. Now, this nanny had a pretty good grasp on the English language, although the nuances didn't quite settle in with her. She didn't have all the idioms exactly right. And so it was one day when she's downstairs and the children are upstairs, the children make this terrible racket, and they're yelling and shouting at one another, and all of a sudden the nanny goes upstairs, throws open the door, and she intends to say, what on earth are you doing? But instead, she blurts out, what are you doing on earth? <laughs> Same exact words, different alignment, profoundly different meaning, right? Profoundly different meaning. So I want to start off with that question. What are you doing on earth? That's a deep question, isn't it? And many of us never really think about it. But I want you to think about it today. Do you have a life plan? Okay? Do you have a purpose-driven life? Do you seek to make an impact on this world for God's greater glory? And are you living into it? Have you found your life plan? Or, like some of us, you're just going through the motions of life. You wake up in the morning, you turn the alarm clock off, you go to work or you go to school, and same old, same old each and every day. My friends, you were formed by God for more than that, for much more than that. God has a unique life plan just for you. And if you'll let him, he will speak it into your heart. You've been uniquely designed and called by God to fulfill a specific task and objection, uh, objective in his kingdom for his greater glory. God did not put you here to suck up his oxygen, to eat his food, to enjoy his creation, and all of a sudden one day to fall over and die. That's not the object. Your life matters to God. The question before us today is, are you living a life that matters, that truly makes a difference? What are you doing on earth? Today I want to look at that through the prophet Jeremiah, through his calling. One of the major prophets of the Old Testament. And the question is, what am I doing on earth? Hopefully by seeing God's imprint and calling upon his life, we'll better understand how God calls us and what God calls us to. So I want to make three points this morning before we're done. And uh, first of all, God's calling upon our lives. We're going to look at Jeremiah and then reflect on our own. Man's resistance to that calling. And finally, God's equipping for the calling itself. God's calling, man's resistance, God's equipping. You'll notice in Jeremiah today, if you want to look at chapter 1, verse 4, you can see it clearly, but I'll put it before you if you don't have your Bibles that the Lord is taking the initiative to bring his divine plan to Jeremiah's life. It says in verse 4, Now the word of the Lord came to me, meaning Jeremiah. So that verse should signal to all of us here in the church today that this is his divine appointment. 
This is the most critical, important task that Jeremiah will ever receive from the Lord. For the next 40 years, he will be about this task for which he was uniquely and divinely formed by God himself. Now notice also, not only does the word come with great authority, this is the word of the Lord, but it comes personally and intimately. Okay, so God is not this deist God. Okay, deism and it was uh, this idea about God that happened post-enlightenment, that God was somewhere up there and he didn't really care about us. He was like a divine watchmaker who wound his creation up, never to intervene, never to come down and speak to us personally. That is not the God of the Bible. Listen to how the God of the Bible calls his people. Before I formed you, Jeremiah, in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born... I consecrated you and set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You see how intimate, how personal that is? I formed you. I knew you. I consecrated you. I appointed you. Those fourfold actions. Do you get a sense of this God and how much he cares for our life plan? Cares that we're living a purpose-driven life? That phrase, I knew you. In Hebrew, it's the same phrase that we get from a man and a woman having sexual intercourse. That's how closely and intimately God cares about our life plans. Intimately, personally, Adam knew Eve. Relationally, personally, God gives us our plan relationally and personally. He knows our names. He knit us together in our mother's womb, as the psalmist told us today. He consecrates us and sets us apart for his greater glory and task. He appoints us to that task so that we might expand his kingdom reign and glorify our Father in heaven. Do you have that kind of purpose-driven life? Jeremiah was that guy named by God, picked by God, commissioned by God, appointed by God. And guess what? So are you. So are you. God has a distinct plan and purpose for your life. And guess what? He knew that plan long before you were knit together in your mother's womb. God had a plan for you. We call it divine election. Here's what Jesus said about that when he called his disciples. John 15, he said, You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. That calling was on their lives before they even knew Jesus. Paul would even say it in a clearer fashion. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. He says, Praise be to God of our the God of and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, before the world began, that we might be a holy people, blamelessly walking in his sight. He had an imprint and a plan for your life. He chose us all. If you're a believer in the church today, then you are called by God to be a missionary, a servant, a witness, uh, a worker in his kingdom. Are you living a purpose-driven life, though? What are you doing on earth? It gets even better, though. Paul says not only were you formed by God, have a plan from God, been consecrated by God, been sent by God, but guess what? Jesus died to redeem you from the clutches of Satan so that you might live the rest of your life to his honor and glory. Here's what he says. 1 Corinthians 6.20, 
For you were bought from the clutches of Satan by the blood of Christ. You were bought with a price. So now you're called to glorify God in your body. God has a plan for you. God wants you to serve him, your heavenly father. If you hadn't heard your calling yet, I implore you today to begin to listen, to start to pray that God would reveal his divine anointing on your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray, God, give me my assignment, and I'll follow you wherever it goes, wherever you take me. So now, man's resistance. Look at this. See, here's the deal. When God calls you to a kingdom-sized task, it's probably going to take you way out of your comfort zone. It's going to be, as they say in the military, above your pay grade. And there's a reason for that. Your first reaction is going to be just like Jeremiah's. Lord, I'm not ready. Lord, I can't do this thing. Lord, you must have dialed the wrong number. Certainly this call was meant for somebody else. Listen to what Jeremiah says. He says, ah, Lord, uh, you know, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. To paraphrase that, he's saying, Lord, this whole being a prophet to the nations thing, it doesn't sound anything like me. I don't even have the spiritual gift of prophecy. Certainly you've meant to contact somebody else because i got a C in rhetoric in the synagogue. I cannot speak. I'm way too young. I'm just a teenager. That was totally out of Jeremiah's comfort zone, wasn't it? But isn't that the biblical pattern that we see time and time again? I mean, God calls Isaiah another major prophet, and what does he say? Lord, I am totally undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I serve a people of unclean lips. I am so inadequate for the task at hand, this is way out of my comfort zone. Well, what about Moses? When God calls Moses, what does he say? Oh, 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 oh Lord, Lord, Lord I've, never, I've never been an eloquent speaker, either now or in the past. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. I can't do this thing, God. I stutter, I stammer. How do you expect me to talk to Pharaoh on your behalf? Even our patron saint, Paul. Do you remember Paul called to preach? And one day in the Acts of the Apostles, he's preaching on the upper level of this house. And a kid sitting in the windowsill. And Acts, uh, the writer of Acts, Luke, says that he went in, on into the night. In other words, he was dry and boring and his sermon went long. The kid falls asleep, falls out of the window, splat, hits the pavement, and dies. I mean, Paul was slaying them that day. I'm just kidding. He went down and healed the guy. It all worked out, okay? Um, but, but Paul would later say about his own preaching. He said, brothers, I came to you uh, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, but not with lofty speech or with wisdom. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. Now, why is Paul saying these are my inadequacies? Well, here's how he finishes that statement. So that there might be a demonstration of the spirit of God's power. So that your faith not, might not rest in the wisdom of men, in my eloquence, but in the power of God. You see, when God calls you to step outside your comfort zone, to take on a kingdom-sized task, then who gets the glory? God gets the glory. Whose power does it? God's power does it. His power working in you. I don't know if you figured this out yet, but I am an extreme introvert. Have been for, since I was a kid. Mike was too. I don't know why y'all keep calling introverts to be your rector. I don't know. Don't know what that means. 
But when my mother at 18, when I was 18, said, you know, you really ought to consider ministry as your vocation, I laughed in her face, just like Sarah laughed in God's face. And I'm sure that when my classmates from Hartsville High School 1985 go on Facebook and find out that I, of all people, became a priest, they think to themselves, oh my goodness, he's the last person I ever would have thought. You see, God calls us out of our comfort zones. According to studies, people say that public speaking and death are the two largest uh, fearful experiences in a person's life. I can testify to it. In my flesh, in my nature, without God's help, this is the scariest place I'll ever be, which is speaking to you all. Jerry Seinfeld once said this about that. He said, according to studies, people's number one fear is public speaking. Death is second. He said, death is number two. Does that seem right? That means that the average person, if they go to a funeral, think that they're better off in the casket than doing the eulogy. And God, you called me to do the eulogy? Oh, my goodness. But see, God's kingdom-sized appointments always take you outside of your comfort zone. That keeps us on our knees. It keeps us on our knees in prayer. That God will do something that in our flesh we're not capable of. You see, the person that is most aware of their inadequacies is usually the person who's most dependent on God's all-sufficiency. That's how it works. And that when the task is completed that everybody knows you're not capable of, he gets the glory because it's his power working in you. Paul said it like this, but God said to me, my grace is all sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I'm going to boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ will rest upon me. So what are your weaknesses? What are your hangups? What are your excuses today before the Lord? Why haven't you undertaken a significant ministry to glorify him and expand his kingdom? Are you too young? Lips unclean? Do you stutter? you afraid of public speaking? Well, if any of these apply, then biblically speaking, you just might be the right man or woman for the job. Which brings me to God's equipping. Here's what God does. He'll never call you to something without seeing you through it. He'll never call you to it without seeing you through it. Curcio, another wonderful opportunity for you, wonderful three-day weekend. There's a phrase in there that says, God never calls the equipped, he equips those whom he calls. Doesn't call you once you get equipped. He equips you once you've been called and step out in faith and obedience. That's what happened to Jeremiah. Look at this, verses 7, 8, and 9. God said, do not say I am only a youth to Jeremiah, for to all whom I send you shall go, and whatever I command you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hands and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. He equipped Jeremiah for the task at hand. God gives us both the words to say and the strength in which to say it. God will never bring you to that difficult task and leave you hanging. If he brings you to it, he will see you through it. But many of us have a disease. And our disease is we get paralysis by analysis. 
God or somebody in the church will ask us to do something out of our comfort zone and we'll say, I'll pray about it. And we'll, we'll rest in prayer until God makes it absolutely clear. We hear a booming voice from heaven. Thunder comes down. Lord, if you make it that clear, I'll do it. But otherwise, I'm just going to pray about it. You see, God's not waiting for your clarity. He's waiting for your trust and your obedience. And then he'll equip you. He'll give you the words to say and the strength to say it. So trust him to equip you. There was a brilliant ethicist named John Cavanaugh. And he went to live for three months with Mother Teresa in Calcutta in her house of the dying. This was years ago. The first morning he woke up, Mother Teresa came to him and said, What can I do for you, John? And he said, You can pray for me. She said, Well, how can I pray? What can I pray? He said, Pray that prayer that I've been praying over a thousand miles away in America. Pray that I would have clarity from the Lord and he would tell me what my life's plan is. She said, I will not. She said, clarity is the thing that you're clinging to, and you must let it go. When Kavanaugh commented that she always seemed to have clarity about the Lord's plan, she laughed at him and said, I have never had clarity. What I've always had is trust. So I will pray that God will give you trust. Don't wait for clarity, my friends. Get out of the boat. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus He'll give you the courage, he'll direct you, he'll equip you in every way that you need. His grace is all sufficient. Do not say I'm only a youth. If people threaten you, he will protect you. He'll give you the words to say, he will touch your lips, he will give you the equipment you need. So don't ask for clarity. Get out of the boat and Jesus will do the rest. When God calls you though, through the power of his word, there's going to be somebody else whispering in your ear, and that's Satan. The sad thing is that we oftentimes listen to the whispers above the authoritative word of God. Satan's going to come around and say, you're not very gifted. He's going to say, well, you're way too young for this. You're not very talented. He's going to say, look at your unclean past and your unclean lips. You're not fit for the work of the kingdom. You're not wise enough. You're afraid of public speaking. Don't listen to Satan's lies. Listen to the promises of the Father. Step out. And remember what Paul said. God said to Paul, my grace is all sufficient to you, and my power is made perfect in your weakness. Remember that. So what are you doing on earth? What's your plan? What's your purpose? If you don't know, find that thing. Listen to God's call upon your life. Let him equip you for that service. And know that your very weaknesses are God's greatest tools to accomplish the tasks of his kingdom And bring him the honor and the glory. Let us pray. Father in heaven, make it clear, abundantly clear to us what you would have us do. Help us not just to to stay in the same place, praying for clarity and waiting on the sidelines of life. But help us to step out on the field to a place where we know that you'll be faithful. That you'll equip us and that you'll help help us to play the game for your greater glory. So send us your Holy Spirit. Give us a divine appointment, a divine task, and give us the strength to step out of the boat and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.